All right, take your Bibles, and uh, you can go to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, we're going to be in chapter 22. Over the past couple of weeks, we were in the book of Daniel, and uh, we did a short series there um, about standing firm in Babylon, where we looked at some of the main uh, stories of the book of Daniel that most of us are familiar with. Uh, so today we're going to change gears out of Daniel, and I want to go to uh, another well-known story that uh, is in the book of Genesis in chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22. And today I want to talk to you from the subject, the fire, the wood, and the knife. The fire, the wood, and the knife. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with, with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. Everybody say, and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? He said, We have the fire and we have the wood. But where's the offering? As I said today, I want to talk about the fire, the wood, and the knife. This title comes from verse 6, where it says that Abraham brought the fire, he brought the wood, and he brought a knife. Everybody say, don't forget the knife. And you might say, well, why is that, why is that significant, this fire, this wood, this, this knife? Well, this story is all about God testing Abraham's devotion. And it says it right there in verse 1 that God tested Abraham. What was the test? He said, go to the mountain. And he said, I want you to offer your son Isaac, your only son, the son whom you love that I gave you. I want you to offer him to me as, as a burnt offering. A burnt offering was an act of consecration, personal consecration and devotion unto the Lord, right? So God said, bring the fire, bring the wood, and don't forget the knife. The knife, here's the key, the knife was the instrument to demonstrate to God that God was first in Abraham's life, not Isaac. Listen, Isaac was a blessing from God, but Abraham was in danger of making the blessing that God had given him more important to him than God, which is really the definition of, of idolatry. That's what idolatry is all about. An idol is anything that is more important in our lives than God is. John Calvin said that the human heart is a factory 
of idols, which means it's our nature to make things, even good things, even things that God gives us, to make them more important than God. The knife was what Abraham brought to his act of worship to demonstrate that Isaac had not become an idol. That as much as he loved Isaac, he did not put Isaac before his God. The knife was the cutting edge of Abraham's worship. In other words, in his worship was, listen to this, in his worship was the presence of something that demonstrated that God was first in his life. It wasn't enough to just have fire. It wasn't enough to just have the wood. There had to be a knife. Tell yourself, don't forget the knife. This is the problem with much of our worship today. Sure, we got the fire. We, We got the emotion. We got the excitement. We have the feelings. We shout. We praise. We clap. We even dance a little bit. We got the wood. We have the physical elements that feed the fire, the rousing music, the the newest, coolest songs with catchy hooks. We have, you know, the lights. We have the sounds. We could even get some fog machines in here. That would really heat things up, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, we got the fire and we got the wood, but what about the knife? God is looking for something in our worship experience that demonstrates his lordship. Don't forget the knife. When Abraham went to that mountain, listen, his worship had nothing to do with music. His worship had nothing to do with singing. For Abraham, his worship was all about obedience. The kind of obedience that demonstrates sacrifice. The kind of sacrifice that is personal, that is costly, life-altering, life-changing sacrifice. And if we today are not living our lives as living sacrifices, then our worship is nothing more than a nice song. It's nothing more than lovely words. It's nothing more than a performance. It's nothing more than a warm fire on a mountain, consuming some wood. It may feel good to us, but it has no value to God. Tell yourself again, don't forget the knife. Now listen, God does not come here on a Sunday morning for our music and our singing, as good as it is. God doesn't need our singing. He's got a million Tens of millions of angels singing to him constantly in perfect harmony. Do you think God is impressed with our music? I know some of you have really good voices, but do you really think God is impressed with your singing voice? He's not here for our singing. He's not here for our music. He's here for our worship. And worship is not about the sounds that come out of our mouths. Worship is not about the sounds that come out of our musical instruments. Worship is about the obedience that comes out of our lives. Imagine what that experience on the mountaintop would have been like if Abraham went there and 
He built a huge glowing fire and, and he fed it with all kinds of sweet smelling wood, hickory and, and cherry and, and cedar and redwood. And, and him and Isaac sat there next to that warm fire, that sweet-smelling fire. Him and Isaac sitting there with their hands lifted in the air, singing, I exalt thee. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice. And the whole time that the fire is burning and the wood is piled on the flames, Isaac is sitting there, the same Isaac that God said to Abraham, offer him to me as a burnt offering, they're sitting there, and they're just swaying back and forth, just singing and making beautiful... Ma- you can imagine Abraham saying to Isaac, sing it again, to God be the glory. Imagine God coming on that scene and saying, well, that's a nice fire you got there. Nice pile of wood. I like the hickory. Smells great. Nice songs. Catchy tune. But Abraham, tell me, what's Isaac doing here? Where's the knife? Did you forget the knife? Have you disregarded my command? Do you love Isaac more than you love me? Has Isaac become an idol that is actually present when you're offering worship to me? Have you made an excuse somehow rationalized, somehow told yourself that it's okay, that you don't have to obey me and offer what I told you to offer me? Has Isaac become an idol? Don't forget the knife. Now listen, God will bless us with good things. Our businesses, our homes, our cars, our children, our finances, our money. God blesses us with wonderful, beautiful things. Amen? Yes? But be careful that your possessions don't start possessing you. Because the more God blesses you, the harder it is to keep those blessings from becoming an idol. Anybody hearing what I'm saying today? Yeah? I had a brother in in the church years ago. He got a blessing in his life. He got kind of a windfall and inheritance in his life and uh, went out and bought, you know, lots of stuff, lots of toys, you know. That's what we do, right? Get that get all of a sudden a surge of cash flow. Let's go out and buy those things that we've been wanting, right? And so he went out and he bought, and he bought a boat. Everybody say a boat. Yeah. And I asked him one time, I saw him, and I said, I said, I said wow, I haven't, I haven't seen you for a while. Where have, you, where have you been? I haven't seen you in church for a while. And he said, all, you know, all proud and feeling good about him, slides like he was going to impress somebody. He said, oh, I've been out on my boat. And I said, you got a boat? He said, yeah. And you're out on Sundays on your boat. I said, yeah, it's it's awesome. I love it. I said, so let me get this straight. So God blessed you with an inheritance, and you went out and bought a boat. And now the boat that God blessed you with is keeping you from worshiping him. (laughs) Sounds like that that blessing has caused you to backslide. Sounds like that blessing has become an idol. Some of us may wonder why God doesn't bless us with more. Because God knows for some of us, we'll take that blessing and we'll turn it into an idol. 
Sometimes, for, for some of us, that blessing will cause us to backslide, and God knows it. God knows that our character, our faith, our worship experience is not deep enough yet to handle the blessing because the blessing will overwhelm us, and that possession will start to possess us and become an idol in our life, right? I had a conversation with, with one guy, not a part of our church, lived in another state, a conversation one time. He's a millionaire, and uh, I mean, he just, his businesses, multiple businesses were just growing incredibly. And, uh, and he was Christian, came to the Lord, and, uh, and he said to me one time, I was over his house, and he said to me, you know, this tithing stuff, said, you know, I, I kind of have a hard time with that, because, you know, for me, tithe, a tithe is a big number. And I said, well, okay, so I'll tell you what, how about if I pray that God reduces your income <laughs> to a place where you can you think the tithe, tithe is reasonable. <laughs> but he never did start tithing. Never did. But eventually, you know what's interesting? God did reduce him financially. He ended up going through a divorce and lost close to half of everything. Hello? Whatever God blesses you with, if that thing becomes an idol, God is coming after it. Because God will not abide with idols. He will not. That's why God called Abraham to the mountain with a knife. Everybody say, don't forget the knife. He demands. He doesn't request. He doesn't ask us politely. He demands. That's why he's sovereign God. He demands first place in our lives. That's why worship must be more than fire and wood. It must be more than singing and music. Worship must have, our worship this morning, today, the worship that we bring to the Lord must have a cutting edge to it. The presence of sacrifice, that all of our singing and our music must be against a greater backdrop of some sort of sacrifice, some sort of demonstration, some sort of, of, of expression that God is first in our lives before everything and anything else. Worship must have a cutting edge, the presence of sacrifice. That's why David said, I will not offer up to the Lord that which costs me nothing. In Mark chapter 10, there was a young man came running after Jesus we call him the rich young ruler. It says in Mark 10 that he came running, knelt before Jesus. He said, good teacher, tell me, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. Jesus said, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Don't, he said, honor your father and your mother. And the, and the rich young ruler said to Jesus, oh, I've, I've kept all these commandments since I, was a, since I was a child. And then Jesus looked at him and loved him, the Bible says, and said to him, one thing you lack. He said, go and sell everything everything you have, and then take all of the money that you get from those, the sale of those things and give it all to the poor. And then take up your cross and follow me. And then it says that he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around to his disciples, and he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they allow their riches to become an idol. Here's a man who came to worship. Came to worship. Came running. How many came running to church this morning? Couldn't wait to get here. Man, just 
Pedal to the metal. Can't wait to get to church. Abdeel's leading worship. I can't wait to get there today. Right? Came running to worship. Right? He brought with him his fire. He brought with him his wood. But he didn't bring his, he didn't bring his knife. He said, I'm religious. I try to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm baptized. I go to church. But Jesus said, yeah, I see that you've got all those things. I see you're religious. I see you've been baptized. You serve in ministry. You do all that stuff. But I don't see the knife. In other words, I need a demonstration ongoing that I am first in your life. Go and sell everything you have. Give it away. Right? And then come and follow me. Why did Jesus say that? Because Jesus is always after our heart. And he saw that there was one thing in that man's heart that he loved more than Jesus. Even though he could talk a good talk. His treasure. His treasure. It's the same reason that God told Abraham to bring his son and a knife. He's saying, I need you to demonstrate that I'm first in your life. Jesus was saying, the rich young ruler, I need you to demonstrate that I am first in your life. Now, we know the story. We'll read it in a moment. God didn't want Abraham to kill Isaac any more than he needed the rich man's money. He didn't need the rich man's money. He didn't want his money. He wanted his heart. But to get to his heart, he had to get to his treasure because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Now that brings, that brings me to us here today and how we worship. Because I think for some, something is missing from our mountaintop. We got the fire. We got the wood. So that's not missing. We're not missing the singing. We're not missing the music. We're not missing the lifting our hands and our clapping. But what's missing is an element that God has called us to bring that demonstrates his lordship over our lives. It's the cutting edge of our worship. It's the knife that turns our singing into true sacrifice. It's the offering that demonstrates what treasure is truly in our heart. It's the obedience that proves to God, that of all we have and all we own and all we possess and all that he has blessed us with, that he alone is first. It's what scripture calls the tithe. Wait, pastor, this is a tithing message? It's a worship message. That's the problem. See, we, put a, we make a distinction between bringing the tithe and what's true worship unto the Lord? We don't connect the two. And so we give ourselves an excuse. We give ourselves a doesn't apply to me. And we worship the Lord with Isaac sitting next to us. And the Lord hears our worship. He sees our fire and our wood. And he sees Isaac sitting there. He says, where's the knife? I need a demonstration that of all that I've blessed you with and all that I've poured into your life, I need a demonstration that none of that stuff is more important to you than me. That's why the tithe. The tithe is the highest expression of worship. Singing is not. Clapping is not. Dancing is not. Bringing the tithe is the highest expression of worship because it demonstrates that he is first. He's Lord. 
He's Lord. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Deuteronomy 14.22 says, you shall tithe all your increase year by year that you may learn to fear the Lord. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. What is the tithe? The tithe means, what does it mean? Tenth. The tithe means tenth. It is the, the first tenth of our increase, the first fruit of our increase that is holy. It's holy to the Lord. It's con- holy means set apart, uncommon, not secular. It means consecrated, right? So it's one-tenth, the first tenth, the first fruit of our income that is consecrated to God as an expression of our obedience, given to Him in an act of worship on a regular basis. And it is this cutting edge that provides the backdrop, that pro- provides the context that turns our worship into sacrifice. Now tell yourself again, don't forget the knife. Tithing is the biblical standard God recognizes as being first in our lives. One version of Deuteronomy 14.22 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. So God blesses us with abundance. We've all been blessed. The fact that you're an American and you live in America, you are among the richest. We are among the richest people in the world. We are, right? He puts blessing in our hands, but when he puts the blessing in our hands, he tells us through his word, he says, now I'm giving you all this, but one-tenth of it is mine. That's what he does. Puts it in our hands. He says, now I'm giving you all this, but one-tenth is mine, and I want you to give it back to me I want you to return it back to me to demonstrate that by doing so, that I am your God, I am the source of all your blessing and the owner of all you possess, and you're returning it unto me as an acknowledgement of that in an act of worship. He says, it's mine. In fact, Leviticus 27.30 says, the tithe, the tenth, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. He sees, whether we give it or not, in fact, sometimes people don't give it. And that's why Malachi says that you've robbed God. Because you're holding on to something that God says is his. How many are tracking with me here? Right? Right? He gives it to us, but he says, now I'm giving it to you, and I'm giving you the privilege of returning it back to me. Right? And when I see you return it back to me, then that will be to me an indication that Isaac is not more important to you than I am. That the possessions are not more important to you than I am. So tithing is not for God. God doesn't need our money. How many understand that? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? Tithing is for us. Like I said, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Tithing is the knife we bring to our worship. It is the instrument. It is the metric. It is the measurement God uses to test the integrity of our claim to be surrendered to him. It constantly, every week, every month, brings us back to the reality of whether or not we are truly submitted to the call of putting God first in our lives. That's what we do every time we pay that tithe. We are, we are, we are bringing an act of worship. It's an act of rededication unto God. And I would go so far to say that if you are not tithing, God is not first in your life. 
Now, wait a minute, Pastor Greg, you're going a little too far there. How can you say that? I love God. I come to church. I serve in ministry. I I worship God. I, I witness. All that may be true, and it's all good, but God has established what He considers an acceptable expression of being first in our lives. And it's not witnessing, and it's not serving in ministry, and it's not singing songs. It's the tithe. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and we're the first fruit of all your increase. Now, I realize that for some who do not tithe, and you struggle with this, it's not an easy concept. I understand that. And you might look at it and say, I don't see how I can do it. Doesn't add up, doesn't make sense. You can imagine how hard it was for Abraham when God told him that Isaac is the son of my promise, and through him, you'll be the father of many nations. And yet God's telling him, offer him up to me as a burnt sacrifice. And, and so you can imagine in Abraham's mind, this makes no sense whatsoever. How can God be calling me? To, I, this, this, this doesn't add up. And, and when we look at this command to tithe, it's the same thing. It's like it doesn't add up. I, you know, I can just, but it, it's not supposed to add up. It's an act of faith and obedience. Right? God didn't tell Abraham, look, if you, if you do this, I'll tell you a little secret. If you do this, there'll be a ram in the thicket and you won't really have to do it. He didn't do that. Why? Because it was a test. To prove where God really was in his heart. But let me show you what happened now. Verse 9, so they came to the place of which God told him, Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand, hand, and what did he do? And took the knife to slay his son. But as as the blade of the knife was above Isaac's chest, The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, chill out, dude. (laughs) Slow down. (laughs) Here I am, he said. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now, I know you fear God. Since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was what? A ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Isaac went, well, that's not in there, but I, and Abraham called the name, look at this, and Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. That's where we get that. Hallelujah. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And we love that God is the provider, right? Philippians 4 says God shall meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Amen? Right? We sung it this morning. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to connect the dots to this morning. He is our provider. We know him as Jehovah Jireh, my provider, only because Abraham brought the knife to worship. If Abraham never brought the knife to worship, there would have never been a ram caught in the thickets. Are you hearing that? Some of us, we're looking for the ram in the thicket. We're looking for God to be our provider. We're singing the songs. We're lifting our hands, right? We bring the fire and the wood, right? But there's no knife 
There's no cutting edge in our worship. It's just fire. It's just wood. It's only when we obey God that we can call him our Jehovah Jireh. Are you hearing this today? Right? It's only when we honor him. What did Proverbs 3, 9 say? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. Malachi, test me now, God says. Test me in this. Try me in this. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The promise of God's provision, being our Jehovah Jireh, comes with a condition that we honor him, that we obey him, that we worship him and serve him the way that he commands us to. We've got too many people today looking for a ram in the thicket, but they haven't brought a knife to worship. When we put that 10% in God's hands, we bring his blessing on the 90% that remains in our hands. That's the principle. Amen? I don't know about you. I'd rather have 90% that's blessed by God than 100% that isn't. Is anybody with me today? One of the first things that I learned to do when I became a Christian, I got saved in September of 1981. One of the first things that I did, probably a month into it, I started to hear, learn about, I started tithing. Best decision, financial decision that I ever made. To put my finances in God's hands. Does it mean that I'm wealthy? Well, I may not have all the money in the world, but I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I, I may just have the 90%, but it's 90% that's blessed. Amen? I don't know about you. I'd rather be a man that is blessed than a man that is not blessed. Hello? I'd rather be a man who can say he is my Jehovah Jireh. I'd rather be a man that sees rams in the thicket all over the place. Hello? I can tell you that my life has been filled with rams in the thicket. Hello? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My life has been a sequence of ram after ram after ram in the thicket. Why? Because in my worship is the presence of a knife. Now, I know that things right now are difficult financially. Inflation is 8% over where it was last year. Gasoline prices, groceries. We're going to be heating our homes this winter. But I know of no better advice as your pastor who loves you than to say, put your finances in God's hands. Bring the blessing of God over your lives and see what he will do. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. It's not just words. It's not just music. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the ram in the thicket for the Abrahams who worship him truly. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Worship team can join me up here. So, Father, God, we're just thankful for your word, Lord, and that in your word we see these principles, Lord, that, God, as we follow these principles, as we walk in obedience to you, even when it doesn't add up, even when it doesn't make sense, that, Lord God, we have the promise of provision that you are Jehovah Jireh. But when we put you first, Lord God, you show up in our time of need. 
You provide, and it's not always the finances, Lord. There are other ways that you provide, other ways that you bless. Hallelujah, and we thank you for that, God. And I want to pray, Lord, for those who may be struggling right now in this season. Lord, they may be struggling, God, with that knife. Having a hard time lifting that knife. Having a hard time trusting and obeying. I pray, Lord, that you'll bring the grace that we need today, God. Let this be more than just words from a man, Lord. Let this be life from your spirit. Let this be revelation today. Let this be anointing today, God. We're, Lord, those of us who may be struggling, and maybe as we go into these coming months, this winter, Lord God, that, Lord, we do so with the right mindset, trusting and obeying you. Hallelujah. To really believe, Lord God, that you're the way maker miracle worker in our lives, Lord God, that you are the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Come on, lift your hands right now. Let's just, let's just worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Lord God, hallelujah. You are that way maker, Lord God. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. You're the provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. You keep your promises, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us the faith we need. Give us the strength we need to trust you, Lord. To continue, Lord, to be faithful in what you've called us to do, Lord. To consecrate our lives to you the way you've called us to do that, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, hands up in the air right now. Let's worship the Lord right now. Let's just sing that chorus out. Let's sing it out. He is waymaker. Waymaker. Yes, you are, Lord. Worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness. Thank you, Lord. My God. That is who you are. That's who you are, are, Lord God. That's who you are, Lord God. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Come on, sing it out. Sing it out. Tell him, tell him that he is your way maker. Miracle worker. He's your miracle worker. You keep your promises, Lord. That's who you are. I trust you, Jehovah Jireh. My God. Way maker, surrendering our finances, our lives to you in obedience, Lord God. Holy Spirit, if this would not be something out of compulsion or condemnation or judgment, or the Lord, this would be something between you and your people that you'll speak to hearts, Lord God. Speak to hearts, Lord God. Bring us to that place of surrender. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.